Hello there. Welcome to the Christ Covenant Sermon Talkback. The Sermon Talkback is a chance for pastors and members of Christ Covenant to process the sermon, ask questions to the preacher, and more practically apply the content of the sermon. If you have a question for the Sermon Talkback, please text it to the Text to Pastor line at 678 951 9041, or you can ask through Twitter by tweeting to Jason directly at Jason Edwin Dees. Enjoy. All right. Well, guys, I'm back. I was away for a couple of weeks. Great vacation. Went out west. Um, but man, you know what? You know what? You know when it hit me, Lou? I'm, I'm joined today with Lou Priolo, Jeremy Brooks. But you know when it hit me that I was really glad to be back? You know, I'm serious. When you walked into my office and sm- saw my smiling face. Well, okay. I give up. I give up. Uh, okay. Okay. That was one moment. <laughs> But no, it was that I was worshiping with my church. Oh, of course. Hmm. I was just like, this is, I love these people. I love what we're doing here. Um, outdoor. Outdoor. I know. Was, yeah. I mean, golly. So we did have a great trip. Though. We went out west, went to the national parks. If you ever lose heart in America, guys, go to a national park. You ever get discouraged about America, go to a national park and you'll be like, America's awesome. So anyway, we had a great time, but it's really, really good to be back, and it was great to be in worship on Sunday. And we're not, I wasn't just in worship on Sunday. We were talking about worship on Sunday, and we went to, uh, I think, one of the greatest, one of my favorite chapters of Scripture. Where do you rank? Is, is uh, Psalm 19, what, top top 50 passages, top 50 chapters? <clears throat> well, because I'm a biblical counselor, probably top three. It's probably Psalm. Top three? Probably Psalm 119. That's, Psalm 19. That's and um, maybe First Corinthians seven, mm-hmm. certainly, certainly the top ten. Certainly, when it comes to when it comes to the scriptures, be my top one in my top three. Yeah, you know, I, I remember when I was a freshman in college, and there was this guy I really looked up to, Earl Fairley, and he had this bench, okay, and wood carved onto the bench was verse fourteen. May the words of my mouth, mm-hmm. meditation of my heart, be pleasing in your sight, O Lord, my rock and my redeemer. And I don't know. I mean, I, I'm, I'm sure when I was 18 years old, I had read Psalm 19, but I don't know that I'd like put it to memory. And I remember thinking to myself like, wow, like that isn't, I want that to be true of me. I remember like reading that and thinking that is like the greatest Bible verse ever. Like I, that, that, that really is what I desire. So, um, and then of course, the more you read Psalm 19, um, I think the more it just calls you in. I mean, there's so much we could have, we could have done a whole series on, on this one Psalm. I don't know. How about you, Jeremy? I mean, I had a pastor who he always, before he preached kind of ended his prayer for yes, himself. Yeah. With that like no, every single time um, is so pivotal. And I loved how you mentioned that we don't do that though. Like our, the words of our mouth, the inclinations of our heart are not, acceptable we're failed worshipers we are failed worshipers um but jesus is not he's the true worship okay so jeremy impressions from the sermon anything that was helpful for you in particular um you know that first verse is just a great start um you know the heavens declare the glory of themselves no the glory of god Mm -hmm. and Mm -hmm. actually the night before the sermon i watched a movie called driveways and I wouldn't necessarily, this is not like a recommendation per se, but there was this scene at the very end that really stuck with me where it's this older man and this younger boy and they're talking to each other 
It's like the end of the movie. It's this unlikely friendship between a lonely old man and a lonely eight-year-old boy. And the old man is telling this story of how he hitchhiked out west. He went to California. He went just throughout the, the west coast. And, and it was beautiful. And he got to the end of the story and he was like, and you know, the thing that I really wish I could do is just go do that again, but look a little bit longer and a little bit slower and mm. everything. And at first I was like, annoyed at that because I was like you're just going to find yourself wanting to do that again (laughs) if you live another 80 years like it's never going to be satisfying Mm. but then it actually is a good line because it reminds us we are kind of peering in for like the glory of God in everything yeah Um, that's it and so that that was an impression well it's it's kind of what we're talking about like there's that Zane zoot right like it gives you enough uh joy to like it to Mm want to do it again Mm -hmm but not enough to really satisfy you. Mm-hmm. You know, it's just like the stuffed mushroom Yeah, that you know it's good, but it leaves you wanting more. I don't know, does stuffed mushroom translate to you, Lou? Or well, uh, I was going to ask, I, I, when you were <laughs> preaching, I thought, no, was it an Italian restaurant? Because if, if Italian restaurant, because if it was an Italian restaurant, I know what the stuffing would have been, would have tasted like. If it was, you know, a different kind of restaurant, then, you know, it's a little bit up for grabs what was actually in the stuffing. Yeah, I'm trying to remember what I actually had for dinner that night. Um, but no, I think it wasn't an Italian restaurant, but it was a great meal. Yeah, it was yeah. one of those like fantastic yeah. meals, yeah. you know. We, it was kind of our one big like, we went Splurge. out to dinner and uh, it was awesome. Yeah. Um, yeah. But man, I only got one mushroom. The mushroom stuck with me because my family, whenever we, we actually always get Italian for like birthdays. And we always order the stuffed mushrooms for the appetizer. Mm. And there's all these people, and so I, I get like half of one. And yeah, like, and you, and it's great, but you, it doesn't satisfy you. On, on on Christmas Eve, in our home, in our family, like there are trays and trays of like oh. hors d'oeuvres and trays. If you get more than one <laughs> mushroom, if you come to a Priolo Christmas gathering. That, that is the Zanes we've all been looking for. I hope that was an invitation. Yeah. I don't know if it was, yeah. but... Lou, what were some impressions you had from the sermon? You know, I, I just love Psalm um, 19.7. The law of the Lord is perfect, converting the soul. The Hebrew word there means complete. It's tamim. And, um, you know, it really talks to the sufficiency of Scripture. The Word of God working through the Spirit of God is what the Spirit of God uses to transform us into the image of Christ. It restores us, it refreshes us, it renews us. And so, you know, we, we sometimes uh, underplay the value of the power, the power of the Word of God. You know, he tells, I think it's the Ephesians, he talks about the Word of Christ, which effectively works in you who mm-hmm. believe. I mean, this is not just an ordinary book, right? This is a book that God uh, wrote in a very special way over many, many years that the Spirit of God wrote. And it's a book that he uses unlike any other book uh, in the universe. Because it's not just a book. Right. It's the voice. It's the, it's the Theopnoestros. It's the, it's the yeah. breath of God. Right, yeah. Right? And, it, and it calls us, as we said, not to just have a forma about our lives. Right. I think, I think that's a big mistake. I kind of talked about the difference between like pagan worship, right? If you just go out looking at the stars, you'll either become, you know, you'll either, you either won't recognize them 
or you'll be overly enamored by them. Jeremy was saying this, and they'll become a bit of a god into themselves. You'll begin worshiping Zeus, right? The god of the sky. Or if you just go to the scripture looking for like a forma for your life, you really in that scenario will be the center of your worship because it's this is how well I can obey the Ten Commandments, for example, you know. And I think a lot of like so-called Christians, like that is what their spirituality is. Look how good, it's the rich young ruler, right? I've kept all these laws. And, um, but it's not, or even the people that came to Jesus said, look, we prophesied your name, we do all this over here. And uh, Jesus said, I didn't know you, right? Mm-hmm. And so the, the word of God or the, the Bible is, is not just words unto themselves. It's not just a letter unto itself. Actually, the letter kills. It's alive and powerful. Right, right. Because it it brings us into intimacy with God who is alive and powerful. And so don't miss that, right? And I think that if, you, if you're listening to this and you've ever been confused on how Christians understand the Word of God, this is how we understand the Word of God. It, it In the same way that I don't connect Paige, my wife, I don't connect her words as just arbitrary words out there. They're, they're, they're her words. They're, they're powerful because they bring me into her. They, they connect me with her. It's the same thing. God is speaking to us in order for us to know him, to be connected with him. And, and, and creation works in the same way, right? I mean, what is the value of a tree? right? You, you look at a tree and you don't think, wow, this is a useful thing. You realize this is something God has given us and it actually teaches us something about the Lord in various ways. So, I don't yeah. know if you're aware, they just found, um, they found a whole set of, uh, actually galaxies, I think, uh, on, on the South pole that they never saw before. Somehow, they just opened up a little piece of space and there's like a, a whole big enormous set of uh, of stars and who knows what else yeah. that they never and that just happened I think last week or, the, or earlier yeah what's week. that all about I don't know they're still trying to figure it declaring out declaring the glory of God yeah, oh right, right. yeah and, and it's like it's like never ending the more you study a tree or a leaf or a cell in a leaf the more complicated you realize it really is mm-hmm. yeah and and it's not just complicated in and of itself, I mean, that is the problem ultimately of, you know, really of divorcing God from the natural sciences. I mean, really, what is Darwinistic atheism? It is a worship of the natural world. It is a, in the natural world, we can find all of the answers. Um, now, Except- you're not... Except okay. now to make it work, you need two or three quantum leaps. So you need some kind of supernatural catastrophe. Right, right. And, and of course, like you can't explain things like love. Uh, right. You can't explain things like <clears throat> truth. You can't explain uh, things like compassion or mercy or anything like that in totally the natural world. I, they don't fit into our Darwinian understanding of the world. But to the Darwinist credit, it's right to be impressed by... Mm-hmm. The natural world. You should look at the natural world and be like, oh my gosh, this is unbelievable. But you know what? You know what you should say? But there's a God who's even more unbelievable. Exactly. And even more creative and even more righteous and even more holy and even more complete. Because because he didn't just create the natural world. He he also, the, you know, to the Romans one point, there's also these invisible qualities of God too. 
uh, that are perceived by us that are amazing. And I think that's a good kind of practical discussion is like, okay, we're supposed to like see God in this, not just, not just worship these things. So how does that work out? And that's where the scriptures are so helpful. Is like, we see this complex thing. We see this huge galaxy. And then it makes should make us think, okay, God is so much bigger. Mm-hmm. He's and, so much more beautiful than that. And in the first section, <clears throat> we have general revelation where God pulls the curtain back, reveals himself a little bit to us. But general revelation is limited in what it tells us about God. It tells us about his eternal power. He's God who tells us that we're in trouble with him. And everything it tells us a lot, but it's limited compared mm-hmm. to the scriptures. Right, right, yeah. and, and whatever it says, uh, the Bible tells us more, and the Bible goes beyond. General revelation doesn't tell us how to be saved, doesn't tell us how to please God. So that's why in general relation, the Lord pulls the curtain back a little bit, but in special revelation, the Word of God, He pulls it back all the way. Mm-hmm. Everything we need for life and godliness is contained between those two covers. And, 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 I, I totally agree with what you're saying, though I don't I would never want to lessen the goodness of general revelation. Sure. There is something about going out and looking at a night sky that teaches you something about God in a way that it, when complemented with special revelation can actually impact you in this very, very deep and profound way. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so I think that we should praise God for both. I mean, how he has spoken to us himself in both ways. And they draw us in to, I think, of, you know, your, your understanding of the Lord with both general and special revelation will be more complete than if you just had one of the other. Obviously, with general revelation, if you had to choose one, you would choose special revelation. Course, yeah. um, but, um, but with both, the, the, there's even... So all that to say, what I'm trying to say here is the natural world is incredibly instructive. But with the natural world, with general revelation, we can only guess at the person and character of God mm-hmm. with the scriptures. We don't have to guess anymore. God has made himself known, and uh, and obviously we can know him in the person work of Jesus. And I think that's a good kind of point there, too, that this should remind us how important it is to be Christ-centered worshipers. The creation should make us be like, wow, this is amazing. How can I know this God? Like the scriptures, they teach us things more about God more specifically, but like, how can I know this God? And it was so great that we were kind of talking about J.I. Packer this weekend mm-hmm. um, and just remembering kind of the central thing that he really was hoping the church would know is that we can know God through Christ. Yeah. And both of these things should be pointing us back. Okay, how can I know this God through Christ? That concept that you can know God. I mean, I know that's like the most simple Christian statement, right? But it is so profound. Like, how can a little guy like me know God? Only because he revealed himself to us. Yeah. And if only it, because he was merciful to if us. If it weren't for his revelation, we'd be totally, literally, we'd be in the dark. Yeah. and and But just think about that, Lou. God has revealed himself. I know what I'm saying. I know people are listening and be like, is this all I'm getting from the uh, talk back today? But I mean, golly, I'm blown away by the fact like God, God has sought a relationship with me and he has invited me in through the personal work of Jesus, through his word, through and through his church, through the work of his church, through all of these factors that God has used to draw me in, to call me 
by name and call me to himself. And that one day, I mean, I have this ultimate hope as we talked about um, in our one of our daily rhythms readings. I mean, we have this ultimate hope that one day, if we're faithful, if we continue to look at Christ, we will sit on the throne of Christ. Like, what does that even mean? Um, it's just unbelievable to think about. Another thing in the sermon, you made some analogies between um, uh, some of the gods of this world and some of the churches that um, worship things other than the God of the Bible. I think it's very easy for Christian worship, quote-unquote Christian worship, to really be the worship of, you know, I mentioned Athena, right? And I think a lot of churches even sell that. It's like, do you want a great marriage? Come to church and we'll teach you how to have a great marriage. You want to do well in business? Come to church and we'll teach you how to make better decisions. You want to, um, you know, be a better friend? Come to church and we'll teach you. So there is a wisdom that comes from knowing God. But the purpose of the Bible is not just to have wisdom. It's not primarily for us to get something out of it. It's, it's for, for us to know God. Now, when <clears throat> we know God, we are made wise, right? We begin to, as we were talking earlier, Lou, think as God thinks, right? But I think that Christians, a lot of churches, because the worship of Athena is popular, or I mentioned the worship of Aphrodite, right? The, the worship of kind of the love or the experience, right? And feelings, the feelings. Yeah. And, and it's like, you could either go to a U2 concert or you could go to this church service and it's really the same experience. In fact, there's a lot of churches that even like play U2 songs, uh, you know, as like their warm up song or whatever, um, in order to, because everybody's like loving it. Music is awesome. It's like a rock concert, you know, it's amazing. But I think that if you're not careful, and, I, and none of these churches, I don't think, I think these churches would say they're not doing this, but I think you have to be very careful. I love that what Matt said in his primer, it's easy mm -hmm. to get worship wrong. Yeah. I think we should almost go into a corporate worship gathering saying, you know, it's like, it's like in football where the guys that are very skeptical of throwing the football because they say there's two things we could go wrong here and only one that could go right. Let's just run the ball, you know? And I think that, uh, um, I think we should, as Christians should go into worship in the same way. I think it's great. There's you a know, lot that could go wrong here and it's kind of hard to get it right. Mm -hmm. I, I'm really appreciative of Jordan Coughlin because he's instituting now an official call to worship. I mean, he yeah. calls us to worship. Okay, guys, it's time to get your mind out of wherever it is and let's focus for the next hour and 10 minutes. We are going to worship God. And you know what Jordan always uses to call us into worship? <clears throat> the scripture. Mm -hmm. Our liturgy, I mean, we always have a liturgy in our service and it's yeah. always some passage that Jordan's kind of working yeah. his way through. And, 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 we can still get it wrong. I mean, we're we're still going to probably, you know, sure. you know, sidestep or become focused on the wrong thing here and there in our worship. But chances are pretty slim if we're just anchoring ourselves to the Word of God. Yeah, if we're following the outline, yeah. and, and the right. language he uses is really helpful too. God is inviting you today, and that actually reminds me of uh, you know the woman at the well when Jesus is talking to her. He says that God is seeking worshipers mm -hmm. who worship Him in spirit and truth. God's inviting us through His Word. Uh, to, to get our worship right. And which is, that was something you kind of got at at the end. It's like, here's the thing. We are failed worshipers. 
we, we have a ability, a propensity to get it wrong. Matt also said in his little book, Look and Live, at the beginning, he said, I'm an expert on worship and so are you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so we can get it wrong. We're experts at worship and we can get it wrong. And we often do get it wrong. <laughs> Most Actually, we've all gotten it wrong. And yet God still invites us. Like, that's amazing. He still that's wants the mercy him. and the grace of God that he invites us to look to Christ and like, get it changed, you know? And that's kind of what Lou was just saying. Like, this is a moment to focus and to get our heart fixed back on him, which is amazing. Which is why we really need the gathering. Mm-hmm. You know, we really need one another. And, and you, you don't just need me preaching or Jordan Coughlin singing. You need to be able, you need to look over at Jeremy Brooks singing and say, okay, I'm a part of what he's doing. Like we, we are something together. We are a body. We are um, this kind of visible sign of the coming kingdom mm-hmm. when we won't get it wrong. One day we'll get our worship right. Um, and, and every time we gather, it's a little bit of a signpost for us to that, to that mm-hmm. day. Mm-hmm. I don't know, guys, any closing thoughts? You mentioned that, you know, you know, I'm really looking forward to not this coming week, mm-hmm. but in two weeks. Okay. Jordan and I are going to be kind of leading us through how do we gather? What is going on in all of these little like intentional things that we do? You may not think so, Lou, but there's a lot of intentionality in our worship service. And, um, we'll explain that in two weeks. So stay with us. It's going to be helpful. And I appreciate you guys talking talking back about the sermon. So for Luis, Luigi, Paolo, Priolo, Jeremy, David, what's your middle name? <laughs> Garrett. Jamie, uh, Jeremy Garrett, sorry. Jay Brooks. Jay Brooks. I'm Jason Dees. Thanks for listening.